everyone, welcome to Scouting for Growth. Today we'll be welcoming James Marshall on the podcast. James is a managing director from Spinning Fox, a product-led design agency focused on helping large and small businesses solve problems more creatively. James has 11 years of delivery experience and a proven ability to manage super large global accounts, including companies such as HSBC, Nike, Unilever, PepsiCo, Adidas, Dyson, Samsung, to name but the few. He has a huge passion from creating uh, tech and operational solution to solve business and customer problems and drive opportunities for growth much faster than traditional approaches. On the podcast, we'll be discussing a variety of things. But first, James journey into the design thinking and user experience world. Then we will cover why operational efficiency is so hot right now. We will also cover the power of taking an outside-in perspective in everything we do. And lastly, good problem solving requires for us all to take calculated risk. So let's welcome James. And please do not forget to rate, subscribe and comment below. And also reach out to me if you want to suggest new guests that I could bring onto the podcast. So let's get started. So hi, James. Welcome to Scouting for Growth. Hi, Sabine. Thank you so much for being with, with me today. <laughs> so, you know, we always start the discussion with, you know, getting a little bit uh, information about you and who you are. So I'd love to know about James, where you're coming from, you know, what is your journey and what makes you really different today compared to maybe others doing exactly what you do in the marketplace? Great. Yeah, I'd be happy to happy to tell you. Um, so, yeah, I grew up um, in a small town um, in Gloucestershire in the UK, um, a town called Lechlade. Um, quite early on, when I was 10, 11, I guess my, my parents divorced. Um, I lived with my mum. I, I remember we didn't have sort of much money, um, so, you know, growing up. Um, but my mum was super, super hardworking. Um, she, um, she held kind of multiple jobs at a, at a time. And kind of the great thing about that was that it helped me to quickly learn that if I wanted things in life, then then really I need to needed to work for it. I remember actually, um, I think when I was early teens, me and uh, me and a friend of mine, we actually started up a car cleaning uh, business at the weekends where we go around our neighbours and and clean some of their cars. Um, we were actually quite successful, um, you know, making good money for you know at that age. Um, and I even remember we got to the point where we took on, I think it was maybe two other friends um, so that they could wash additional ca uh, cars. And then we and then we took a cut of what they earned as well. So from quite early on, I was always kind of thinking about business and how I could you know, Im improve things and, and make more money, I guess. Um, I would say I wasn't particularly strong um, at school. It just didn't really suit me that well, but things really clicked. Um, I went to university and studied communication design or, or graphic design. Um, so I really found my passion there. I graduated out of there with a, with a first class honors and worked in my early career um, as, a, as a designer. 
Um, but even then, I knew that I had um, bigger ambitions. I knew that one day I wanted to own uh, my own company, um, but spotted quite quickly that I, I needed to develop more business skills. I was too too young, too raw. Um, so I moved to, to London to work in some amazing digital agencies there. Um, so I worked with Havas, RGA, Analog Folk, um, incredible um, global agencies. Um, and actually took a funny sidewards step. You won't hear this from, from many um, designers, but ended up going into program leadership. So uh, running large programs or large accounts of, of, of work. Um, really enjoyed that interaction with clients, understanding their businesses, worked with some incredible clients um, such as Nike, Dyson, Samsung, HSBC, um, and that's where I, I really found that I had a passion for delivering digital product solutions. So using design and technology ultimately to, to solve problems. Um, I was then, when in London, uh, I was introduced to James Lyne and Tim Aiken, um, who shared my, my passion and also, you know, wanted to create their own digital um, product agency. So we, we, we founded um, Spinning Fox um, and, and yeah, that's where, it, that's where it all started, really. So let's go into Spinning Fox. Yeah. And I was listening to some of, the, of, your, of your parkour and I guess design is in the DNA and you realize very young that you really like design and you mentioned that you started with digital design, right? Mm -hmm. Working for digital agencies. So we'd love to hear about who is Spinning Fox and also what the difference between digital design and product design is because I think I read on your website that the focus is product, right? Yeah. Tell us. Yeah, so... um. I guess we the reason we, we created Spinning Fox is we between uh, the three of us, we witnessed many, many product teams um, try to d deliver digital products and platforms um, and we'd seen them fail. It's, it's quite quite common um, that, that the teams fail, that the product fail. Um, but we through those failures, that's where you get learnings. Right. So we we wanted to build a company to to build products and ultimately take those learnings that we had um and and solve problems and create um solutions for clients so that's where we created spinning fox um we underlying all of that we just had that love for design and tech to and using it to solve problems um we knew that running a business isn't going to be easy right but none of us are afraid of hard work um and i think the skills that we have collectively really complement each other so you've got um james um who um james line is has experience of running numerous successful businesses globally um he um he has great business acumen and He's also just a massive, he won't, won't hate me for saying this, but he's also a massive just tech geek, more specifically in, in cybersecurity. Um, and then you've got Tim, who has a background in building many successful digital products, um, comes with incredible creative skill, huge, never seen attention to detail like it, but very calm and considered. Um, and in my eyes, it was the perfect combination as a, as a team. 
Um, they're also firm believers in finding entrepreneurial folk as well. They, they run numerous businesses, so they, they don't always have loads and loads of time, but they like meeting other entrepreneurial folk that they can put trust in and give them the freedom to drive a business um, forward, which is ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm the main main driver behind Spinning Fox. Um, and then they're there to um, provide input and guidance and a lot of that cascades down into the business. Uh, but ultimately, you know, that dynamic works has has worked really really well from from day one so it's good to hear that you actually find the balance between the design the technology mm. and the operation i gathered listening to to your to to allies and how you actually shape the business exactly yeah so what makes you super special when yeah. you've got your clients <laughs> i guess yeah so why spinning forks i guess um so I like to describe us as a, as a collective of um, technologists, innovators, strategists, designers, but we all have one shared um, passion and that is solving problems. Um, so that's how we deliver um, value for our clients. Um, we aim to establish a great um, partnership from, and I'll talk, I'll probably talk about a little bit about more, uh, more about this in a, in a bit, but um, establishing a great partnership from the outset um, and we we really focus with our clients and in, in them and their teams in making them more customer centered so we have a process where everything we do puts the customer right at the right at the heart of everything and we come back and we refer to that throughout that process as well to make uh, to validate and make sure that we're on the on the right uh, right track we also tried to take quite a platform agnostic approach to things as well so we look at the the sector the customer the business and then we use that to to work out the right solution we try not to come into things with a idea in mind of oh it'd be great if we could do something with this or, or that latest technology you know that might get us great pr or awards is actually leaving the decisions about the solution and the tech that we're going to use later but really understanding that problem to um to, to begin with and then also understanding that we need to scale products and services quickly so we work with everybody from startups all the way through to large um, enterprises um and but the approach doesn't massively change we aim to get a solution out there in the wild as quickly as possible test it learn iterate we believe that that that's you get far more valid input and feedback that way rather than getting hell-bent on always trying to deliver the best you know solution from day one um, i think that's especially important at the moment with the financial instability in the in the market um, I think more and more we're, we're seeing the need from clients to be able to kind of get something out there um, far quicker. Um, and then, yeah, with just the breadth, I guess, of, of sectors that we've worked with, everything from e-learning, cybersecurity, gaming. I think even more recently, we've worked on delivery of a, a landscape design um, app, um, which which was exciting and, and very different from anything that we, we've uh, we've done but yeah my, my one point is that the principle remains the same uh, we're using that user-centric approach um, that we can apply across a range of different sectors really. Can you tell us therefore a little bit more about that user-centered approach um, yeah. you know to really understand what that means and what I would also like to see is if you could actually share two examples because you said you're working with young businesses and startups mm -hmm. cyber being a major topic and probably one of the most complex one maybe to to deal with and then you also are dealing with 
large enterprises, big companies, mm. where you're actually helping them do that iterative thinking, user-based design approach. Tell yeah, us. Definitely. I mean, the, uh, at a high level, the approach that we kind of try to take is um, we in it's it's a first stage is, is around discovery. So we're immersing ourselves in the world of our client and we can do that. We can fast track that process through doing some mini workshops, meeting with stakeholders, meeting the, the user, ideally, to ultimately understand that opportunity as quickly as possible. Then defining things, so identifying the user, what their needs are, their pain points, and start to work out the solution off the back of that. We probably then move into um, rapid prototyping um, and trying to get things, um, getting into a cycle of, of testing and iterating and, and getting it in front of the user to get that feedback as quickly as possible before moving into implementation. So we have full end-to-end um, -end delivery capabilities. We have a team of engineers as well. Um, and we have a um, QA baked in, uh, quality assurance baked into our into our process as well. Um, through then getting to a stage of actually testing and deploying and getting back into a cycle of, of testing and iterating in, and improving. So if I had to apply that to a couple of examples, I would say in the startup world, um, we've recently worked with a client in the in the gaming space. Um, they wanted to um, can't say too much about this, but ultimately create a platform to allow gamers to compete against each other. So be able to securely raise a, wa uh, a wager against each other to sort of say, okay, well, we're going to play this game. Um, I think I can beat you and I'm going to, Sabine, I'm going to raise you, you know, $10 to say, you know, I, I, I can beat you in this. And it's doing it in a secure environment, kind of almost escrow type environment. And then even if there's a debate over who's winning or not winning, then uh, we came up with a solution of how that can be done through actually not relying on, on large customer support teams. So that was the delivery of a, of a proof of concept um, app. There was some staged integration, some fully baked out uh, integration. The main reason was getting it enough and proven out to, to a level where they had some users on there that they could then go and unlock further investment to ultimately get to what the overall goal was. So it was very important with them that we went through some quick cycles of, of ultimately it was starting with an idea of that one. It was it was right in the beginning. So getting to to a, a prototype solution. Then if we took a large enterprise client, um, the one of our biggest clients that we work with, they work in the um, cybersecurity training space. Um, and the pandemic um, was a great trigger for us to work with them in transforming their business. So a majority, even though they're a global business, a lot of the training that they provide and events that they provide were, were all face to face. So, um, you know, I think 80% was face-to-face -face and only 20% was online. So we had to literally flip that on its head. And now it is the other way around and 80% is online training. So they always had an experience there, but it was working with them to how can we enhance that, improve that end-to-end -end customer experience to make it super solid. And that went everywhere from the early stages of, of somebody exploring what courses were available on their website through to actually signing up through to then taking the training, being able to do your training on the go through a mobile application. Say you're going on a flight and you want to be able to download the content for offline use or going on a car journey and you want to be able to do your training through audio only through to then the actual exam platform. So literally we're talking full spectrum end to end, you know, business digital transformation with that business. So yeah, a real mix. <laughs>
Yeah, no, I can see um, a scale of uh, different problems you are solving for. But do you always, so far, so we, we, we talked about user-centered design, mm. you always so for those problems with technology. And as you know, when we, we look at different ways of building business models, we think about the market, the tech, led and the product-led businesses do you always start with product going into technology and then by using the user-centered mechanism allow this to be matched to the market yeah i guess so like i was saying we're, we're kind of agnostic in the approach so understanding the problem to begin with design then designing the solution and working out what medium or tech is is best to um best so we we have even had instances in the past where we've actually gone you know what the best solution for this is actually something that we that we can't do but we can work with you as a partner and and maybe find a, a another third party that we can work with and help you to support in the delivery of that and we're not afraid to say that we won't always engineer things to force it into this is what we want to do and where we've got great expertise and prior knowledge um, it's actually and that's why I keep going back to partnership right is developing that to a point of, of being honest and transparent um, with a with a client I, I think and that's that's superb and you know the reason why for for asking the the previous question is also mm-hmm. um, because as you know there are so many agencies out there and so you know what do you think is not working in the world of digital agencies today that you are trying to solve for for the young and the bigger businesses as well? Yeah. Um, so I, I think for, for us, I, I think a key thing is knowing that there's no time to stand still as well as a digital product agency. So if you if you stand still as an agency, then yet you're going to be a dinosaur in five minutes. So you have to be very aware of what's happening out there in the in the future. Um, and and being aware of that and being invested in it, um, I think, and being prepared to adapt your bot business model quite quickly, I think, is a is a key thing. We're of the size where we can change um, change quite quite quickly. We also try to look at things very quickly from a client perspective as well. Um, so we, you know, it's it's very easy to go in with a with a, a preconceived conception of okay how we tackle a particular problem but i think it's, it's going in and being a little bit naive in the beginning and 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 being um you know open to a client perspective um as well and learning about them and learning about their challenges and problem and almost becoming their business in in yourself and that's how you come up with the the best solution um i think that we don't get too hung up on um on awards and inflating our ego and kind of going in and and kind of rather than thinking about okay what's going to get the best PR and uh, you know or awards out the back of this is is really thinking okay what's the best solution that we come up can come up with and yeah great if we win awards and get PR off the back of that then that's you know an added bonus um, but ultimately I guess it's it's about building that partnership. Um, I think and continually demonstrating value as well is 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 super important to us is you might deliver a great project and and deliver um and deliver a great solution but okay you're moving on to the next thing we've got to continually innovate and and demonstrate value um otherwise clients will just do it them do it themselves right yes and I mean I think it's always about finding the right solution 
to the business problem at the end yeah. of the day. Mm-hmm. And so looking at you know business model innovation, what we are seeing right now in the marketplace is that you know organizations need to prioritize, they need to prioritize the investment and the choices they make, um, yeah. even in the design of um, you know their product and services. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what do you think is going to truly generate profit in the future when you look at the current market situation? And you mentioned earlier, you know, we are moving into the uncertain waters. Mm. Yeah, I mean, very relevant question right at the moment. So um, we're definitely seeing uh, we're working with clients a lot at the moment where they're trying to optimize their user experience um, to try and increase uh, conversion and revenue. So if I give you an example there, one particular client that we're working with, we've made small increments and improvements um, to actually in their sales process of of, of bundling or add-ons through that sales process, where actually we've been able to improve that bundling and add-on experience from, I think it's gone from 73% to 90% ad rate. Now blow that out across thousands of customers. That's a vast improvement to to revenues and and profits for the business. Um, We're also finding that clients are becoming more and more focused on where they're investing as well. Maybe they have um, a, you know, a portfolio of products or, or, or tools, um, but they're focusing on a smaller number of areas and focusing on those products or, or solutions where that, that deliver the most revenue for the business as well. Um, and then I guess another area would be around automating um, of processes. So um, we're, as you know, there's still, Strangely, a, a big skills gap, a shortage in a lot of sectors out there in, in industry at the moment. So we, we've tackled some projects which have involved automating internal processes for a business, which maybe relied on several individuals before. And in, um, in a particular example of a project as well, in addition to that, it also meant that through having all those people involved, it was susceptible to human error as well. So we've automated processes for them, which for that particular business has meant that those people that were involved, there's several people that were involved before can then be reprioritized and, and focus on other areas of the business, which maybe drive more revenue um, than, than where they were working. So I guess if, if, if I had to drill it down, it would, it would be that optimization, small incremental changes to drive revenue and, and conversion. And then also, you know, looking at how we can automate some of those internal processes in a business as well. Interesting. You know, I was re- recently talking to Liz Lemley, um, the deputy editor of the bankers uh, company from the FT. And mm. she was highlighting during our conversation that banks right now, it's all about efficiency savings and uh, looking at operational uh, areas that can be improved. And it's not, you know, as it used to be uh, before about, you know, growing that top line. It's all about profit. And I think what you just said echoed just that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're seeing it. Most most clients that we're working with, most briefs and opportunities are in that kind of space of, of making small incremental changes. And the and it, it it genuinely excites us because actually they don't need to be massive uh, projects. Um, you know, they, they can actually be, you can make these small changes and adjustments and they can have drastic changes to a business. And that's where we, we get our kick as well, I guess, out, out of those kind of things. 
That's super cool. And I love the fact that you can do that for big businesses and small businesses too. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's it's super important. Now, my, my next question is, okay, you are building um, those products and enabling businesses to actually become more efficient, take, you know, uh, improve processes, take, you know, task out of, you know, manual task out of the processes and make people probably better and uh, give them much more fulfilling roles by, you know, enabling them to move to much more revenue generating uh, opportunities as individual. And then you let the technology do the job, right? When it can do the job. So what do you think is going to be um, the impact of the world we are going into from a digitization viewpoint when we look at the current talent gap and, uh, you know, the fight for talent, you probably saw last year, I just could not believe it, how difficult it was to recruit talent. Now, at the same time, a lot of the fintechs and the tech ventures have laid off a lot of people. In the UK, we believe that we need to relevel the uh, salaries because uh, some of them are unacceptable and cannot be owned by uh, many businesses. So what do we need to do, James? Yeah, a good question. I mean... We're so we're definitely. I mean, for for me, I'm talking to a lot of clients where they maybe have their in, own internal teams. Maybe they've they've reduced in size and they need additional support. Um, we we you know I don't think that I, sometimes I speak to clients and they think that it's one or the other. They either work with a third party to to address that that skills gap that they might have, or they use their internal team. I think more and more we're actually turning up and working in a way that we can actually complement and work alongside teams, okay? So maybe your team internal team might have reduced by 30%, okay? And the teams aren't operating as, a, as efficiently. So I think there's there's a few exciting things that we can that we can do when we get that kind of opportunity with a client. So I would say firstly, bringing um, a fresh perspective. Um, often we see that internal teams get quite comfortable. They have specific uh, routine or way of, of executing things. So we try to go in and, and bring in a breath of new ideas. Um, and we, we try to demonstrate our value by showing capability, thinking differently and, and driving, ultimately trying to drive change as well. Um, and I, I think it's it's fair to say that we can actually push internal teams. So not only complementing and addressing that skills shortage, which you might have in a business, but also pushing that team that you might already have. Um, and then secondly, I would say integrating with a client in that way can help progress as well. So we're able to operate a little bit outside of company processes. We can leverage our own sort of tried and tested approaches. Um, and... Uh, and we've been there and done it a little bit to a degree. So we know what to watch out for. We've got some experts in the business that we can leverage and, and actually we can speed up the way that the businesses are, are working as well. Um, and then lastly, I, I think I would say about um, we have the ability also to to look at bigger picture of things as well. So often we go in and, and work with clients and maybe there's a particular team focused on, on solving a particular problem, but it's it's not taking into consideration the overall bigger picture of what they're trying to achieve of a business. So by us understanding that allows you to kind of connect the dots and work out, okay, how does this work with within the overall picture of what you're trying to achieve as a business and yes we can focus on that project but it's in the knowledge of of that north star vision of where the, the business is trying to to go to so i think in summary yeah i think it's we've definitely seen um change in in 
smaller teams, um, clients having to to let some of their teams go, um, but still a little bit of reluctance to to go back to maybe they've built their internal team and their reluctance to go back to working with a third party. But I think it's it's giving it's rest assured that there's models and ways that we can work to complement and build and and work with a team rather than internal or external just being the only option. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, as you know, company need to source ideas, right? Whether it is about improving operations or building new line item, you know, a source of revenue in the world mm-hmm. that is uh, probably moving much more creative and uh, monetization services. So I would say, I would think that you need to look at those businesses from different lens. And as we work with startup, we work with corporates and we work with investors, we can see that some of those ideas shifting and sometimes uh, finding ways to implement them in much better light than, mm. you know, as you said, doing internally. And that is where the power of open innovation, I think, resides. So when you look at matching ideas to investment, can you give us some tips as to how we can do that, James? Um, so what? Uh, so. Tell me a little bit more, explain a little bit more on that question. Yeah. So if you look at whether you look at startup corporates or investors, all of them are looking at money making initiatives or, Mm. as you said, you know, finding ways to take cost out of operation. Still investors, right, have portfolios and they need to make sure that these companies are not spending all their money. So Mm. when we look at matching ideas to the money which is out there, investors, Whether yeah. it's investors' money or corporate money, how mm. do we do that best? What are will be your top three or four tips to do that? Yeah. In? Okay. Good stuff. So, I think we we often look at kind of the the model that we use with with startups um, as well and and scale ups. So we um, we like to try and bring idea. You know, if we're working with startups, I was talking about before, we like to try and bring ideas to life. Um, as as quickly as as possible so we're right at the start we're taking that idea we've got to get something out there you know maybe it's going out and and demonstrating something to to investors to get them to kind of understand okay what the idea is here that we're working with I think we can adopt um, model you know approaches that we've used with scale-ups as well so scale up you've probably already got a product in in place to some degree um, and helping them grow and then iterate and improve so going back to what I was saying before about okay there's maybe have a skill shortage in your business okay we can come in and complement those teams to help iterate and improve and 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 grow so i think we're in both situations ultimately we're trying to adopt a model where we're moving fast um we're not getting struck stuck in strategy world for ages we're we're moving fast we're under um we're you know identifying what that core product offering needs to be you know very very quickly and and early on so stealing from from that startup and scale up kind of mentality i think that's good and um to be able to do that i guess we need to look at another key components we always talk already talked about talent but i would like to go into much more detail around the culture so looking at the people going to do that work for you James, what would be the criteria of winning teams? What are going to be the type of incentives you want to see? Those are questions I tend to get often from startups, uh, startup and scale-ups, actually, um, and advisory boards. So what would be some of the uh, winning criteria you would actually promote to make that journey success? Yeah, um, 
So I guess if 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 I looked at Spinning Fox specifically, so we try to um, create a sense of shared business ownership here. So by that, I mean trying to get the team to look at the business as if it was their own. So I'll often throw questions out to the team as go, okay, if this was your business, what would you do in this situa situation? You're coming to me and you're suggesting that we invest X, okay, with a potential return of, of X what um you know what would you do okay the potential downside is you lose x amount put yourself in my shoes um uh, as if you were you were running the business and really that doesn't come overnight that takes time to kind of instill that into into a, a company but i really try to kind of create that kind of environment where people stop and think hmm is it how is this going to make it you know it could be anything it could be okay we want to go and invest this money in this training or this new platform okay What's it going to do? What's it going to solve? How's it going to improve the business? What what is is put yourselves in the shoes of of the the business finances as well, and, and look at okay, what's the potential upside to that and the potential downside? Is it worth? Would you take that risk if you were in that situation? Um, and I think for us is the number one thing as well is making sure that everybody in the business is a great problem solver and i think that that transfer transfers across it doesn't matter that we're an agency and we're solving problems for clients that that should be key you know for across a lot of businesses so for us it doesn't matter whether you're in business development whether you're a designer whether you're an engineer you have to be a great problem solver it's the number one thing that we ask questions around when we interview new potential candidates is try and kind of work out okay how how good a problem solver is this this person and i think again um culture wise is trying to continue to develop a culture where people aren't afraid to take risks and they're not afraid of failure um i think even probably more so people are a little bit on edge about that in with the current climate okay there's there's more at stake here with the current with how things are at the moment we can't afford for things to fail it's like okay but Things do fail, and that's where you learn, right? That's you know, everybody knows that. If everything went perfectly, then you're never learning and never improving. So it, it's making, it's taking on board those calculated risks. If things fail, it's like, okay, what went wrong? How do we learn from it? How do we improve going forwards? Um, and also just getting the team to focus on making things. Um, let's get on and 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 make things. Get things out there into the into the wild um and and then the last thing that we try to do as a business as well is we invest in our in our team so we run internal projects so it might be using a new technology or something that a sort of project that we would love to unlock with a client in a in a different area um that we could go and pitch to them at a later date but investing time and making sure that we actually protect that and allocate that time for for the team to work on internal projects because that's how they're they're learning that's how we're then also from a business perspective able to go out and sell some some exciting new things as well that's a really really wise word i mean it was interesting right during our conversation we talk about some of the key patterns happening right now right yeah. where a lot of the projects that are coming in is about operational efficiencies is about taking costs out of the business to drive revenue you also shared uh, the journey around the spinning fox and how talent is important not only internally but also externally within your uh, client base and finding the right people able to design the right products is key yeah. but i think two key points which i noted here is you know at the end of the day we need to be problem solvers we need to actually think about things in uh, lateral ways and as 
you know, business is about learn and learn. So failing in a risk mitigated way, we need also to find a way to take risk in a safe environment. And a lot of the things we talk about when we talk to insurance companies, for instance, or corporates in general is how do we de-risk innovation? How do we de-risk commercialization? How do we de-risk the the risk of betting on younger uh, businesses or ideas and I think James you actually highlighted some really interesting tips for us to yes. consider <laughs> so I was thinking about you younger you are you are looking young very young James. <laughs> <laughs> so I would like to, for you to look back at where yeah. you know you are coming from and so if you were going to uh, talk to a younger James and say yeah. you know you are going into the digital agency world what would be your reflection on your path yeah um I guess okay looking looking back um early on I remember being at school and I remember having a, a business studies teacher who always said to me you'll go far because you have the gift of the gap I'm not sure whether that was a compliment or not. So hopefully that, you know, that's, you know, I'm not sure if that's true, but hopefully it's backed up with some substance as well. Um, but I guess I felt like I've always had quite good business instinct. Um, and I'm not afraid, as as I said earlier, I'm not afraid of, of hard work. I think that, that that's key. Um, by no means am I the finished product. Um, I always try to reflect um, and look at, at how I continually learn. It's actually an exercise that I've been doing over the last couple of days, obviously, New Year, looking back on, OK, what went well last year, both from a business perspective and a personal perspective? What do we from what went well? What do we want to carry on and 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 continue to um to to build on? What didn't go well as well, both again on a business and a personal level. So forcing yourself to kind of take that time, I think, is is super important. It's very easy just to get stuck into the the little rocks, right? Rather than moving the the big rocks. So you know, taking that time to to reflect on on how you how you Im- improve. Um, but as I said, I'm, I'm by no means that I'm, I'm still young. I'm, I'm, I've got still a lot to learn um, as a leader, as well as a, a business. I try to focus on um, making sure that I'm I'm getting involved in the right places and that I'm leading by example as well um, with with my team. Um, and I try to put trust and faith in those around me as well that we brought into the business we brought them in because they're great individuals right so let's trust them let's run with them uh, let them run with things um yes you might want to kind of course correct and, and nudge them in the in the right direction but give you know that and, and also letting them fail as i said before in, to a degree because that's where you can encourage them to reflect on on things as well and then lastly i i just try to motivate people towards a common goal i think it's very important to continually remind people um you know what are we working towards as a business and yes that things might change a little bit i don't um we try not to make drastic changes all, all the time as a business because people just end up confused but motivating everybody towards that shared common goal um so i try to kind of catch up with everybody in um a, as much as i can and, and ask them questions like you know what do you think we are as a business or you know what is our aim as a business so i can actually check is is that working is everybody on the same path or it's very easy to assume that everybody's going in the right direction and um but actually you know it's good to validate that i think quite regularly yeah that's superb i'm going to tease you now so if we were looking at james in the 70s what yes. are you doing in your 70s 
Oh gosh. Um very good question. I think I'll always be I, I think I would find it impossible to not be working. Um I would love to do you know what I, I love I do some mentoring. I love mentoring people um and, and passing on that knowledge. Um and I like to develop a with those that I mentor, I like to develop a relationship with them where they they continue, you know, I continually spend time with them on a weekly basis. Not, it's not just a one-off, you know, um, session. So I'd love to continue to do that. Um, spending time improve and, and probably still involved in, in businesses to, to some degree as well, I imagine. That's super I'm not the sort of person that would just be kicking back in a deck chair. I don't think. <laughs> I know. I'm the same. I think I would be sit on advisory boards and, um, I would still get my brain busy and definitely writing. So that is something I think I do pretty well, um, writing, you know, analyzing the world and finding a way to to share it with uh, my community. Yeah, well, you, and you love you love tech as well, right? I think last time we, we saw each other in, in person, you were saying that, you know, you wanted to play around with some NFTs, go out and buy some more and just go through that journey and experience yeah. and things. It's not well, doing very right? well right now, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's the only way you learn about where this world is going right web we talk yeah. about web3 metaverse and all those things if you don't play with it you don't really know get out there and get immersed in it and experience it firsthand don't just read about it i think yeah exactly exactly and that's part of the job which yeah. is great because working with startups means that you play with a lot of things you know you get access to a lot of platforms to try and see whether they have um, an opportunity for success mm. <laughs> so any last word of wisdom you want to share with our community oh, um puts me on the spot uh <laughs> i would say probably um don't be not being the person that you think that people want you to be because uh, often that won't be right i think just literally just being yourself um i've probably been guilty of it in in the past it's very easy to do right you think you 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 try to be the person that you think that you should be but actually what people where you're most genuine um i think that's where people believe in you more and, and especially as a leader people will be able they'll see it see through it if you're not being genuine so i think for me big wise words would be yeah just just be your be yourself um and and don't pretend to be somebody else perfect be yourself ingenuity genuity and authenticity i think those are yeah. key traits that people are looking for today so if we want to find you james where do we go um, well, uh, spinningfox.com um, to find uh, Spinning Fox. You can find me on on LinkedIn, um, just I think forward slash James R. Marshall. So uh, reach out to me on there. I'd love to connect with anybody that's, that's listening. Um, that would be great. Superb. Well, thank you very much for your time today, James. Thank you for talking to us about product innovation and product-led design. I think that is going to be something which resonate this year as a uh, more startups come to market and trying to do it well and big businesses trying to take costs out of their operation. So thank you. Great. No, thank you. I really appreciate you uh, inviting me to, to talk to you. Well, I hope everybody will rate it and will actually subscribe to our podcast and comment on this episode. And if there is any more discussion they want to have with you, James, I'm sure they will rush out. Great. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
If you like this podcast, subscribe now, share with your friends, and if you enjoyed it, please give it a five-star review. Also, if you want to cover any specific subject with me, contact me on Instagram under Sabine VDL Officials or LinkedIn under Sabine Van der Linden. Thank you.